Welcome to Fearless TV. If you would like to know more about Fearless, check us out on Instagram and check out our website at fearlessla.com. This message is entitled Status Quo by Pastor Jeremy Johnson. Enjoy the video and thank you for watching. I'm so excited to come to you today on Fearless TV. I have an incredible message for you that I believe is going to revolutionize your life. I want to read you a scripture that I read to the congregation at the beginning of this to set this whole thing up. Go with me to Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says this, When the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Verse two, Aaron answered them, take off your earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf. Wow. He fashioned it with a tool then he said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. What a powerful scripture we can see right here of the people of God. And I believe as this relates to us and to this message that I've entitled, Kill the Bull. Go with us now into a fearless service and hear what God has to say to us from this word. God bless you. Exodus chapter 29 Verse number 10, ESV version for the sake of, of understanding it deeper, says this. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron, huh, who's that guy? Aaron, you know him. You know the earring uh, carver. You know the, the bull shaper. You know the, the pastor that got out of control, that could not handle uh, his, his balance between people pleasing and God God authoring, you know Aaron. So, so God never leaves you where you're at. He always calls you deeper. And he says, Aaron, uh, you're the one that fashioned the bull. Now I'm going to call you to kill it. He said, Aaron and your sons, I want you to bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall take part of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your fingers. I want you to be real involved in the killing of the bull. You shall pour out it on the base of the altar and you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails. You're going to pull this thing apart piece by piece. And you're going to take the long lobe of the liver. Now, this is getting real intense. This is like you are gutting this fish. And you're going to take the two kidneys and with the fat that's on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It's a sin offering, or another version says it's a purification offering. 
Aaron, we're going to invent something new called the purification offering. And it's going to be a reminder of where you've come from to where I'm taking you. And you built a golden bull. And now in light of the golden bull, I'm not picking a ram or a lamb. I'm picking a bull to remind you that I am the great I am. And the bull that you came in with and you used to worship, I want you to be the one to slay. And I want you to pull apart every part and you're going to place it on the altar. I'm going to remind you over and over that this thing is not God because if it was God, you wouldn't be able to destroy it. And I want you to pull it apart piece by piece and you're going to put it on the altar and I want you to take its dung and burn it outside the city walls. Here's why. Because you've become a laughing stock to your enemies because they watched you worship their God, the bull, which was the God of Baal and the gods of Egypt was the bull. They watched you worship their God in your holy place. They watched you worship money where you called God holy and in charge of it all. They watched you worship security when you had a God that should have brought you security, whether you had a house or not a house. How'd they watch you? Because when you lost the house, you freaked out, but then you went and worshiped anyways. They watched you in that place. So now I want them to watch you sacrifice the very thing you worship outside the city so they're reminded that what you used to worship, you no longer worship. Kill the bull. In American Christianity, we have a very tough time killing the bull, killing our culture. And not everything from your culture is bad. There are amazing things in the American culture that are incredible. The tenacity that you have to win is empowering. But what you must realize is that we are not working to win anymore. That he already won the victory for us. We have a passion to pursue our dreams, and that is not bad because we serve the dreamer of all dreamers. And when his dream gets inside of us, hopefully you have enough passion. <laughs> passion is defined as a violent over-emotion that robs a man or a woman of their self-control. Hopefully, we have passion to follow the dreams of God inside of our spirit, but when that passion causes you to focus and pursue the dream rather than the dreamer. You might be embracing your American culture rather than your kingdom culture. And in those moments, God calls us to kill the bull of where we've been, to pursue the lion of where we're going. I came to serve notice on the bull today in our culture and say we are ripping it apart piece by piece, getting violent against our past so we can pursue our future. And there was a disconnect between Moses and even his pastors and his leaders and the people of God. 
I love that Joshua was up there with Moses because Joshua didn't get invited up with Moses, but he just knew where he was supposed to be. He knew that he would rather be in the presence of God than waiting on God to show up where he was at. And if it was dangerous to climb the mountain, then so be it. I didn't sign up for a safe God. I signed up for God Almighty by himself. And it's unique to realize that it was Joshua that had the tenacity to get into a foreign land and be the man he was called to be, even when the surroundings could not dictate to him that he was supposed to be there. Why? Because he wasn't part of an earthly culture only. He had experienced a heavenly culture that was invading earth. And so when he walked into the promised land, he didn't see the giants. He saw the great I am that was stronger and more powerful than the giants. He didn't see how tall they were. He saw if the taller you are, the harder you fall. When my God gets in the arena, my God, Moses had a different disposition than the people of God. But I cannot blame them because Moses already experienced God in a burning bush in the middle of the wilderness. So when God called him to the fire in front of the people, he was not intimidated to walk into it. If you're going to be a leader and you're going to follow Jesus... You're going to have to experience some burning bushes in the wilderness. Some of us hate the wilderness, but you will only find the burning bush in a place of isolation. And if you cannot experience the burning bush, when the fiery mountain comes, you may run because you never experienced his love in the bush. Some of us are trying to run from the wilderness, but God is calling some of you into it because he's about to reveal to you who he is there. So when you get to the place that in front of people you're called to be, you won't back down or run away. You'll run in. And the people's experience with God had produced a golden calf. Moses' experience with God had it produced a burning flame, and the people's experience with God had produced a, a golden calf, that, that people could experience the same God, but because of where they stand and what they see, come up with a completely different God that they're worshiping, although they stand in the same environment. They were in the same region, but one chose to climb the mountain and one chose to run from it. If you climb the mountain, the image of you will change in the presence of God. When Moses got down from the mountain, the Bible says that his face glowed. If you get into his presence, you'll change. But if you stay away from it as the people did, the image of God in you will change. I find it unique that they worship the golden calf, a God of their past, a God of their enemies. Yet they did not call the golden calf Baal. They did not say we're worshiping Baal, although they lived out a lot of the things of Baal. It says that after they worshiped, they partied and they enjoyed in revelry. Revelry, that was what they did with Baal. It was, a, it was a sexual God that they would have actually temples with prostitutes in it. And if you wanted to get closer to Baal, you would go sleep with the, the temple prostitutes. And here the people of God are, they're worshiping God and in, in the image of Baal. And then afterwards, they join in the practices of Baal yet calling themselves worshipers of God. I find it unique that they didn't call the calf Baal, but they said, Israel, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. Can you imagine this? 
Here it is. Something we can control, something we can explain, something we can handle, something we can deal with. It's visible. And here's what happens in the American church. You make your pastors gods. We make our teachers gods. And as soon as a pastor lets you down, God lets you down. How am I going to continue on without him? Without her, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yeah, of course. And what that reveals is that person was the thing that you saw God in. You saw God, but you saw him as a man. Can I tell you this? God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he can be controlled. He's not a pastor. He's not a preacher. He's the author and finish. I appreciate your honor, but I'm going to run from your worship. Here he is. This is the God that saves you. Fearless. Pastor Jeremy. We fashioned it. The American church. The, here, here is the God that loves you. And, and they set up the God. And, and they, they, it says that Aaron built an altar. Associate Pastor Aaron. Under shepherd of Jesus, Aaron, uh, built an altar. This is what we do in our American church. We worship the gods that we're comfortable with, and we call them God. And, and, then, and, then, Aaron, and then Joshua hears, hears it. He says, it's a, sound of, it's a sound of war. And he was right on that. Moses doesn't correct him with the sound of war. But he said, it's not the sound of defeat or victory. It's just singing. And, and this is where we've got with our American church that, that, like, that we don't have to battle. This is not a war. We're not in battle. Like everything's, we're, we're just gonna have, we're just gonna have peace all the time. We're, we're just gonna have joy all the time. It's just naturally gonna come. Like we're not in war anymore. Get your guitars out. Let's sit around the campfire and sing Kubaya until Jesus comes back. We're not going to have to battle anything. We're not going to overcome anything. We're not going to fight anything. And what he was saying is the people of God stopped fighting. I would rather that they fight and lost than them not to fight at all. I would rather that they fight and win or lose. I would rather you be hot or cold. But when you're just in the middle, I want to spew you out. Of, look, I don't long for singing. I long for obedience, says the Lord. I'm not just here so you can jump and dance and sing your song. You're going to have to fight to go after me. He says, it's, not the, not the, it's the sound of war, but it's not the sound of victory or defeat. It, it, it's the sound of singing that I hear. And, and I don't want to blame the people of God because, I mean, they were slaves for 400 years. Like some of these people had never known freedom, ever. They were born into it. When you're a slave for 400 years... There are certain traits and, 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 and abuse and mental anguishes. And, and uh, if, if you want to uh, realize that, just look at the sex slave industry. Why don't these girls run? Why don't they get help? Because they have been so abused and so messed up mentally, their abusers and the people that have incarcerated them have, have captured them so well, but they haven't captured them physically. They've captured them mentally. And, and, and did you know that you could be out of a cage yet still in one? Did you know 
that you could be set free from physical chains, but still mentally bound in the chains that are stronger than physical chains? Because physical chains, people can see. And so if people love you, they see them and they help unlock them. But there is a greater problem in the church and even in our church and in our life is that we have been mentally slaves for our entire lives. And the moment we have freedom, just because the physical chains are removed doesn't always mean the mental chains are gone. And you could be sitting next to someone right now who looks proper and looks nice and looks like they're a worshiper, but in their mind the whole time in a war, fighting chains, trying to break off. And we could make the mistake of just hearing people say, I'm doing good but not realizing all along they're being drugged around by the ball and chain of their past. And I don't blame them because for 400 years, this is all they've known. They've been polluted by their environment. Whatever you're in, you smell like. <laughs> if we keep a dirty diaper in our car <laughs> and we leave it in on accident, we will know about it sooner or later. Even if the diaper is hidden, it's unique that even though something's hidden, the smell still comes out. <laughs> if you're a parent, you understand what I'm saying. Or if you've rode in my car on a hot day, you get what I'm saying. You're saying, Pastor, is this a new air freshener you have? No, I just got used to the smell. You ever got used to a smell where you don't smell it, but everyone else does? You ever walked into someone's house and you're like, whoa, <laughs> like... There's the smell of garlic in this house. Have you been eating garlic all the time, every day, all the time? Do you not smell that? No. Those that live in downtown are fine with downtown on Sundays. The rest of us are like, wow, unique smell here in downtown. And if you've been in something a long time, you may not even realize you're in it anymore. And you may just need others to get close enough into the environment of you. This is why there's a, I have a problem with people that want to do God and church by themselves. Because alone, I am left susceptible to what I keep in my house and whatever I get used to. And alone, I become the God of my own kingdom. And it is iron that sharpens iron. And it is every one of us that has blind spots and blind smells. And we need others. I need people in my life that are bigger than me. I need fathers in my life. Oh, I'm a pastor. I don't need that anymore. No, no. I need that more now than ever before. Why? Because now I am a leader. Actually, when you become a leader, you need it more. Because leaders reproduce who they are. I want to reproduce not who I am. I want to reproduce who he is in me. And how will I do that unless people can come into the, the part of my life and go, that kind of smells. Like you need, you need to get rid of that. People that will love me enough to go, dude, can I help you? Can we pull over? Can we get a garbage? Can, like your car doesn't have to smell like that. It was not designed to smell like this. Like, like this smell is actually something that was added uh, that, was not, that was not authored for this moment. Th this fear that's in your life right now, I know you can't smell it, I know you can't see it, 
but it's there. And, and I love you enough to say, let's get this out. So, so watch this. So more people can get in the car and enjoy the ride. I want my family to be saved. Maybe it doesn't start with your family. Maybe it starts with cleaning out the environment that you've called your life. <sighs> okay, I'm not gonna even get through this sermon. We gotta, you guys are too wild in this room. Turn up the AC, I'm already getting hot, come on. And the environment you're in starts dictating who you are. Your friends affect you. The cautious of what friends you allow in your life because of whoever is there you will become like. Your culture affects you. Your relationships affect you. Everything about it is what uniquely makes you, and it's incredible in L.A. because we have so many mixtures of culture and, and different stuff. But, but I think in America, sometimes when you talk about culture, we dole it all the way down to the color of one's skin. But, but even in, 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 we, in we, and we, uh, we, we, we minimalize every person with this color skin is like this. And, and we judge a book by its cover and skin is only skin deep. But, and even in, in different cultures and different ethnicities, there are subcultures. There, uh, if, if you say everyone like this is like that, there may be a white boy wearing Adidas and it might mess you up because white boys don't wear Adidas or like Nikes or... If you're, if you're bumping rap, it might not work because, oh, well, that's a subculture in, inside of a culture. And even inside the church, we have a culture. But please don't think all churches are the same because even inside the church, we have developed subcultures inside the church that this church worships like that. And this church worships like this. And this flavor is for those people. But please don't get so caught up in the subculture that you miss that we're actually a part of a kingdom culture that should be dictating all we do. And here's what I'll tell fearless. I love your radical praise. I love your, your authenticity. I love your jumping and your shouting. But if you can't get as quiet as you get loud, you may miss the reason why we're getting loud is for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you can't have if you can't get alone with God like you do in relationships, if you can't worship off the stage like you do on it, maybe we are. See, we're a part of a kingdom culture that outweighs our culture. And God loves that you bring your unique culture to him. But don't bring it to him expecting him to change. This is what we do in the church. We want a God that we could make. We want a God that we could control. We want a safe God that sits where we put him and does not evade our personal life. We want a God that doesn't speak back to us. We just want to speak to him. Heal me, save me, redeem me. But when he starts speaking back, that's when we get intimidated. Come follow me. What? Oh, no, no, not me. Maybe them. Get rid of fear. No, no, not me. Maybe them. And here's the deal. If you want to talk to God, it's a two-way conversation, baby and get ready because what he says back is dangerous. What he says back will affect your normal every single time. And families have cultures. Marriages have cultures. When we counsel people for marriage, the first thing we, we pull apart is what culture did you come from? 
Because now you have to develop a culture that is blended. And you may have to develop a new culture. You may have to let go of some of your cultures that you came in with. And all the married people said. <laughs> and if not, you're only pretending to be connected while really being divided. And division, the Bible says, is a place where no house can stand. You see, divorce doesn't happen out of nowhere. Divorce happens because they were never really together in the first place. And two individuals did not make a choice to release what they had to walk into who was coming. And maybe you were on the side of that where you were trying to release and they couldn't release. And at the end of the day, you just had to say, I can't be a robot in this. When we come to God, it is a marriage. We cannot bring all that we brought into this relationship. In order to fully walk in it, we might have to let some things that we really deem powerful and how it is, and we know no other way, we might just have to let them go to come into the fullness of who God's called us to. And I think we come to God with this thought. We come to God like we're dating. God doesn't date, he just marries. He's not dating to marry. He just marries. He says, you're my bride. Come on. He didn't say, you're my bride in the future. Let's go on a date. Let's go on 10 dates. Let's see if we like each other. No, he said, I'm already in love with you. I'm already in love with you. And because of that love, I know you're going to be in love with me because it's dangerous. I'm not letting you go. He says, come into this now. Not when, not thought. And he say, why do you say that? Because we come to God with our opinions and think that we're going to outrule his dominion. We come into God and we say, God, tell me what you want to do, and then I'm going to decide if I like it. And if I like it, we'll get married. If not, huh, there's a whole bunch of other dudes that are pursuing me right now. And God is a jealous God. He won't, he won't share you with anybody, baby. He won't share any time. He says, if you want me, you got to come to me right now, just as you are. And you might have to leave everything. The Bible says, if my disciple does not give up everything, you want to come after me, you got to leave everything behind. Are you willing to come to God with a yes? Whatever you say, whatever you want, are you willing to read the Bible for what it really says? Or do we want to shape the word to our opinion and what we need and what we think we need to have? Do we want to just cut and choose and pick and choose and copy and paste and create our own word and then we kind of ignore the rest and hide it? Or do we want to look at the whole story? Because when you pick and choose, you become religious. And we know that religion is dead. That's exactly what they did. They knew that God was a judge. So he was going to judge them based on how they lived out their life. But they didn't also realize that God was also merciful. And just as powerful as he was a judge, he was also merciful at the same time. That's why when Moses, God said, I'm going to kill them all. Moses said, God, you're going to have to blot out my life if you want. See, look, I want some leaders that are dangerous enough to risk their life on a behalf of on a group of people that's not willing to risk their life. I'm looking for some leaders that won't put down the church, but will say, God, I'm going to fight for the church. I'm going to believe in the church. I'm going to believe that you're going to bring these people out. 
And God, if you got to kill me in the process, do it. That's what we're looking for in these last days. You see, we have a lot of people putting down the church and putting down the people of God. And they got their YouTube channels and they got their Facebook prophets, but I'm not going to live my life like that. I'm jumping into the ring with you. And I said, God, if you're going to take them out, you're going to have to take me out because I'm going to live my life to see a generation. I don't want to do this alone. I want to do it with a group of people that say God is our king. We're not worshiping any idols. We're crushing the bull. We're grinding it up. We're going to take, well. <sighs> and we could be in church right now with chains on our mind that will lead us into something fully contrary to the word of God. You see, the people of God got set free. They were fully free. God didn't halfway free them. The chains were gone. And then the Red Sea came. And we realized that the chains were deeper than skin that they were all the way in their mind. Because as soon as they got to the Red Sea, they stopped acting like sons and they started acting like slaves by what they professed with their mouth. You will always know where you're at when you come to a Red Sea. You will always know if chains still exist somewhere deep inside when you come to a situation that you can no longer work your way out of. They looked around, there was the enemy coming behind them and the Red Sea in front of them. And I believe the enemy was coming behind them because they weren't really sons yet, they were still slaves. And an enemy, the slave master, will only chase what he owns. And he was chasing them because he owned them. Whatever you are a slave to, it's what owns you. And the enemy will always pursue you and chase you. Doesn't the Bible say resist the enemy and he will flee? And whatever you're a slave to will continue to pursue you. That's why lust is still chasing you. That's why fear is still knocking at your door. Because although you've been freed out here and everybody thinks you're free, you're still bound in here. And the only way to get unbound in here is let God to transform your mind. You see, this is what many people want out of the conditions of slavery. We want out of the conditions. I don't want to be in this condition. I don't want to be trapped in the conditions of fear any longer. I'm tired of the, and, and we, we preach this gospel in, in the church of just talking about the conditions. Are you tired of the conditions? Are you sick and tired? And so we, we, we sell you on coming out based on getting out of the conditions. But God doesn't want to just get you out of the conditions. He wants to transform you from who you were conditioned to be into who he's called you to become. They were out of the conditions, but they were not yet transformed. In other words, I'll say it like this. They were saved, but not yet redeemed. They were free, but not fully. They were there, but still there. Have you ever been here, but still there? Worshiping. Someone looks at you wrong. Someone hugs you a certain way, and all of a sudden emotions come back from your past. 
The pastor says something and it offends you. You feel so. Can I tell you this? How you will know that there's a chain from your past is one way. If your emotion does not match the situation. Your current emotion in the condition does not match the situation. It's why you can speak to a room and say one thing. All of them heard the same thing. And some people will cry, some people will laugh, and some people will smile. The emotion may not match the situation. And whenever the emotion doesn't match the situation, there's always a root that was pressed from the past, a chain that is still pulling you back. And all of a sudden you realize either I move on from here or I stay here for the rest of my life. There are some things that were in your life that were supposed to be there for a moment to bring you life. It was a part of your life. It was okay to be a part of your life. But God is not calling you to stay where you're at. He's calling, look, we're never gonna come to someone and say, you need a change these five things. We're not going to preach about where you're at. We're going to preach about where you're going, right? When a baby is incubated in its mother's womb, it has something called an umbilical cord, and that umbilical cord is how it is fed. But after the baby is birthed, there is a moment where you cut the umbilical cord because what used to bring them life will actually kill them on this side of the womb. And so there are many of us that need to cut what was feeding us, that need to cut what we were bathed in, that need to cut the bull. We need to kill the bull so we can move on to the next moment of our life. And then we had to learn how to walk and we had to learn how to crawl. And eventually we started with milk. And then that milk moved from our mother's milk to now milk that we could drink from the fridge. And then that fridge milk moved to food and that food was all mushed up. Someone had to chew it up for us to give it to us. But there was a progress. If you are still eating baby food today, there is a problem, not just because it's weird, but because where you're at cannot be sustained by where you used to be. Where you're at cannot be sustained by where you used to be. Where you're at cannot be sustained. It worked for then, but it won't work for now. You understand? God has got us on a progression. This is a journey. Even the Bible's even very clear. Do not speak idle words over your brothers. We all thought just don't speak negative words. So we're working on that. No, he didn't say that. He said don't speak idle words. It's obvious you shouldn't speak negative words. Don't send them backwards, but don't even send them where they're at. Idle is to remain where you're at. I want your words to move people. I want your words to speak life to not where they're at. Feed people for where. So when I preach, I'm not, I'm not preaching to where you're at. I'm trying to preach to where you're going. I'm trying to feed you for tomorrow. I'm trying, I know you're eating this right now, but I'm giving you, I'm adding a little steak into your diet. I'm not ready for that. Just God said, no, no, I know you're not ready, but you'll never be ready unless you taste what you're missing. Let me just give you a little morsel of what you're missing. There is more in Christ Jesus than just being out of the cage. There's more. It's not just about freedom out here. You can have freedom in here. What if you could be free from lust? What if you could be free from the chains of fear? What if you could truly live your life like a son, not a slave? What if you could be a slave to him? Because whatever you're a slave to, the master will start pursuing you. Whatever you're a slave to owns you. 
I want to be owned by God. I want him to own every part of my life. I don't want to hold any things back from my other masters of this world so that I'm still partly owned by them. And here's the deal. God won't share you with the other masters of this world. He said, if you love them, then you might as well admit it. You don't really love me. If you want me, you got to fully come after me with everything you have. And I am calling, but I'm looking for some people to answer the call. And I'm drawing... And as the band comes, I don't want to preach too long because it's starting to get hot in here. And you're catching this, so why keep telling you about what you've already got? Calling you to a new level of eating, and this level is dangerous. It breaks all status quos. It might affect your culture that you're so used to. This is what I do. You see, we cannot come to God and ask him, to be shaped in our image. Because at the end of it, the image we have of God is us. Many of us, when we worship, I wonder if we're worshiping God or we're worshiping the God we've created him to be in the name of God. And that God really looks more like us than us looking like him. Do we look like our gods or do we look like God? When people see us, do they see him in us? Or do they still see where we've been and the traces of our past? I don't know about you, but I, I want to catch this in my life. I'm never finished. I said that in a sermon a while ago, and one of the guys said, I don't want a pastor that's never finished. I want a pastor that's got it all down. And I said, well, what do we tell him, pastor? He's been saying this in the urban life. I said, well, tell him he's going to be looking for a long time. And when he finds him, just let him know that person's lying. Can I tell you this? I'm not there. I'm preaching this to myself. I might as well just go, okay, okay, amen. Praise God. I need to let go of that stuff from my past. I need to, I need to fully pursue you. See, God's dangerously calling you up the mountain where you can't control, you can't explain. If you stay at the foot of the mountain, his image in you changes. And you begin to worship the image that you've created him to be. The image you can control, the image you can explain, the image of the American church. This is how pastors should act. This is how Christians should be. This is all God wants of me. This is all he requires of me. And I'm going to look at the verses that I want to look at. And we become religious and we become worthless and we never reach anybody. Can I tell you this? There are too many people outside this room with a Christless eternity because ultimately many of us don't actually worship Christ so we can't bring them what we don't have today I came as Moses to smash the golden calf today I dare you to kill the calf kill kill what we worship what rules we've sent down to protect ourselves from this amazing God God, you wouldn't really ask me for that. You, you wouldn't ask me to not have a house. You wouldn't ask me to leave family members. You wouldn't ask me. No, no, he asked for all those things. He, he asked every single one is in the scripture. So we either got to rip them out 
oh, and, and pretend like he's a different God and we can worship the God of our culture, the American Jesus, and, and become the laughing stock of our enemies, or we could fully let our enemy know the American church is not what I worship. The American Jesus is not what I worship. I don't worship convenience. I don't worship materialism. I don't worship comfort. I'm gonna worship Jesus, and he's gonna call me out of the boat onto the dangerous sea to walk where he walks, to be where he is. I'd rather be a slave of the king and a son of him as well than a slave to my past. And I know it's hard because maybe you've been a slave for so long and maybe even the person next to you does not know it. But today is a new day. Today is a new day. And in one moment, Moses that was a slave went to a son because he stood before a burning bush that not, did not burn out and did not get put there by man, but that the bush spoke to him face to face and said, remove your sandals, your ability to run away and stay in my presence. And in my presence, I will conquer every fear that has ever come. I will burn out those things as they've been burning you out. If you're in this room and you've been burned out in chasing Jesus, maybe you're not chasing Jesus. Maybe you're chasing the American dream and the American church. Maybe we've been living out the status quo of what it means to check off our box called religion. And religion will never bring life, it will always bring death. I don't know about you, but I'm going after Jesus. I don't care if no one comes with me, but I'm gonna stand before God and say, God, if you gotta blot me out, take me out, but I'm going to fight for the church to rise in these last days. What an incredible message today by none other than our pastor, Jeremy Johnson, about killing the bull. And I think it's so awesome that you guys were able to be a part of what's happening here at Fearless in Los Angeles. And I think this message is really so timely, not only for our church and maybe you where you're at, but even in my own personal life of what does the God look like that I serve? You know, I believe we all were saved and set free by the same Jesus. But I think sometimes we almost make this own God that we serve on a day-to-day -day basis of what's easy, you know, what's convenient, what works in my schedule, what works for me, you know, how does this God benefit my life rather than how do I serve this God that I read about in the Bible with all that I am. And Pastor Jeremy said it best. He said, if we need Jesus and then Jesus really probably isn't enough. If I need Jesus in money, then I don't just need Jesus. If I need Jesus in more time, then I really don't just need Jesus. And if that's to you today, maybe you're in your room, maybe you're listening to this sermon, and maybe that, that hits something in your heart where you're saying, you know what, the God that I serve isn't the God that I read about. The God that I serve is maybe just the God that I serve because it's easy. Maybe, he, maybe I serve him because I've made it work in my life. I have this little slot in the morning or maybe, maybe a little time frame on Sunday where I can go to church. But really, when we read about this Jesus that's in the Bible, he says, give up, your, you know, give up everything that you are. Let the dead bury their dead. You know, pick up your cross and follow me. So maybe today, as you were hearing this message, maybe some, some areas you've realized in your own life, you've begun to settle in the God that we serve. And if that's you today, if you want to just bow your head and close your eyes, I want to say a quick prayer over you. Father, I thank you for these young men, these young women, Father, who've taken the time, God, who are taking the time to know you, Jesus. I pray that as we seek you, Father, that we would find you. And when we find the true you, God, of who you really are, I pray that we wouldn't try to fit you into our lives, but we would serve you with all of our hearts, God, not looking to how you benefit us, but how we can benefit the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our church and in the, in the kingdom and all over the world, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.